0: Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of the Loki podcast, a podcast in which I talk about Loki. I'm Annie, your host, and today I'm talking about episode three of the Loki TV show. So that episode actually came out earlier this week. As it turns out, producing content with a very quick turnaround is not always possible because you know, technical difficulties. And also I graduate in less than a week and to quote Thor, merriment can sometimes be a heavier burden than battle. I still can't quite believe that he wasn't talking about hangovers there. So here I am on a sunny Saturday morning under three different blankets to talk to you all about Loki. And honestly, I'm very excited because there's a lot going on in this episode. So my first impression was that we got a very different episode than the one that the opening scenes were kind of seeming to lead up to. So at the end of episode two, we see Sylvie bombing the sacred timeline, and then the TVA responding to that, mostly with panic. But instead of getting that big showdown within the TVA, we see getting drunk on a train and talking about sexuality. And hey, we've all been there. But on a serious note, I do think it's very interesting that at this point, the writers decided to take a more introspective direction, rather than going in straight for an action sequence at this point. And there are action sequences in this episode, obviously, but that's not the predominant mode of storytelling, if that makes sense. And so in between dodging asteroids and facing off against the bourgeoisie, we get a really nice, deep look at Loki's character and a glancing look at Sylvie's too. Now, while I'm talking about characterization, I also want to keep in mind this opinion that some people have expressed, that Loki is out of character here, and also that he's being put on the back burner in favor of Sylvie. And you know, when I was writing up a plan for this episode, I did think, hey, is this a thing that people are actually saying? Or do I just need to log out of Twitter? Upon further research, it turns out that professional critics are saying similar things too. Not all of them, not even most of them, but definitely some of them. One review on GamesRadar even says that Tom Hiddleston is playing second fiddle on his own show. So I don't really agree with this opinion and I'm going to explain why. For a start, the other Disney plus Marvel shows so far have also featured side characters that get a lot of screen time, whether that's pre-existing characters or ones that are newly introduced. And in the case of the Loki TV show, Loki himself is the only pre-existing character to appear so far. And I hope it stays that way, to be honest, but that's another story. My point here is that there's nothing wrong with having a well-developed side character alongside your lead. That's what Loki's essentially been for most of his time in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And on that note, I think another related issue is what I'm going to call the growing pains of having a side character move into the spotlight. Despite the general fandom response to Loki, as well as the fact that I have a whole podcast talking about him, we arguably know more about the leads in the movies that he appears in, whether that's Thor, or the Avengers collectively, or whoever else it might be. And so that leaves a lot of room for interpretation. You might have come across this idea before, Often, fandoms will latch onto an intriguing side character that we don't necessarily know all that much about. Mainly because this allows for a lot of interpretation and reading the character as we want to, which is, of course, kind of the cornerstone of fandom. And I'm not saying that before the TV show, MCU Loki necessarily fit that model. We do actually know quite a bit about him, And he's also much more of a central character than this kind of thing usually happens with. But here's the thing, a lot of people are very attached to him as a character, myself included, and there's enough wriggle room in his characterization to allow for a lot of fanish interpretation, and there's been a lot of interpreting. And so now we have a six-episode mini-series dedicated to Loki, and so of course we're going to explore his character just a little bit more, you can see where the problems might arise. But now I want to take a look at what that characterization actually is. What are we being told about Loki that's new? I think there's a lot that's introduced here that is largely uncontroversial. For example, we see Loki talking more about his relationship with his mother. Now, this is something that has been briefly explored in the MCU before. But here we get Loki's side of the story. He talks about his mother teaching him magic and showing him magic, and that very special relationship they had with each other. And talking of magic, we get to see Loki doing a lot of that this episode. We see him casting illusions, which is definitely not new to the MCU, but we do get to see in more depth his ability to kind of shapeshift via illusion. That seems to be what's happening anyway. Similarly he has this whole pocket dimension thing going on, which again we've seen before, and so there is some continuity in how his magic actually works. But there's a bunch of cool new stuff too, like using magic in combat, we haven't seen that before. And he's also got some pretty kick-ass telekinesis going on. This might have been vaguely hinted at in Thor The Dark World, But in Loki episode 3, he lifts a whole falling building with his mind. And hey, I do 100% get why Loki hasn't been written as this powerful before. He's always been a side character and so he can't really overshadow the lead. This is not Loki declawed. This is Loki presented as someone who is powerful and dangerous beyond just stabbing people. But a lot of people are still reading him as a weakened, lesser version of himself. And I think there is a reason for that. When he's put next to another Loki, in this case Sylvie, our Loki that we know and love comes across as quite naive. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that real quick because otherwise I know I'm going to have people in the emails and in my DMs saying, Oh, you hate Loki. Why do you hate Loki so much? Which I don't particularly mind, because it is just objectively hilarious. But I do want to make some things clear. Our Loki has grown up in a palace, presumably having all of his basic needs taken care of for him. In fact, in this episode, he even comments that this is the furthest I've ever walked, and it's like maybe half a mile. And I'm not saying that everything has always been perfect for him. I'm sure there's definitely been low points, and also, the Asgardian royal family does not necessarily seem like an entirely healthy dynamic. It is entirely possible to be both very miserable, very traumatized even, and also very sheltered. And it's the sheltered bit that I want to talk about here. Loki is very powerful, but he does not have the experience that Sylvie does. Which in itself is very interesting, and I'll come back to that in a second. Loki could have all of the powerful magic in the world, but that doesn't mean that he knows how to handle himself in this specific situation. That's why we see him fumbling so much. He fails to produce an illusion of a ticket, he falls out of the train, He breaks the tempad, and even fails to play a convincing version of some woman's husband. And, you know, I do see why some fans have taken issue with that. The writers have decided to take his characterization in a very specific direction. That is, Loki is an Asgardian prince, and he does well as an Asgardian prince. He can do the whole political maneuvering thing. He can lie, and he can cheat, and he knows what to do at the head of an army. But he's not an Asgardian prince here. He knows that he's completely cut off from Asgard now, at least for the moment, and possibly forever. And maybe even worse than that, he's been completely cut off from his whole Asgardian philosophy. The idea of glorious purpose is something that was explored in the first episode, and then kind of discarded when Loki realized there is no glorious purpose, and all of this will only lead to his death. I talked more about this in the first episode of this series, but you get the point. Loki now finds himself outside of his natural habitat, that is, his comfort zone. And isn't that where we want to see Loki? I feel like this TV show would be very boring if it was just six hours of Loki power fantasy, where we just watch Loki be good at everything and always succeed and never struggle. That sounds very uninteresting to me. And so my reading of this episode is that Loki isn't being undermined, he's just been put in a new environment and he's still adapting to it. The truth is that we have never seen Loki so powerful within the MCU. It's just that Loki is not a one-note character, and one of the character notes that the showrunners have decided to go with is that Loki is a prince, and so he's lived most of his life within a very specific kind of social bubble. So now to bring Sylvie into the picture. I really don't think she overshadows Loki here, at least not in a narrative sense. In terms of how she handles the situation, yeah, she sure does do better. But then again, we know that she's been here before. It's one of the locations that she has marked out on her tempad. pad. And in general, she's been spending a lot of time hanging out in apocalypses and Loki hasn't. I think this also comes down to the kind of background Sylvie has as a character. At this point, we really don't know all that much about her, but we do know that she wasn't royalty and that she lost her parents when she was very young. And clearly, neither of those things apply to Loki. And that isn't to say that he wasn't also having a shitty time. He just wasn't having this specific kind of shitty time. Sylvie also says that essentially, her whole life has been leading up to this day, when she was meant to take down the TVA. And this is, of course, a very interesting parallel to Loki's own glorious purpose, which he's had lots of reason to doubt since taking up with the TVA himself. But the thing here is that we're not dealing with a side character that comes in to overshadow the lead and be better than him in every conceivable way. What we're dealing with is two characters on a very unlevel playing field, and this is Sylvie's home turf. I'm sure that if you dumped her in the middle of an Asgardian court, she would not fare much better than Loki does on Lamentus. And also, Loki does do pretty well for himself. Despite his multiple blunders, he can definitely hold himself in a fight against Sylvie. I really don't think there's anything here that's disrespectful to Loki as a character. He's just a little out of his depth, and that's just how stories work a lot of the time. But before I wrap this all up, I do just want to say a quick something about the nature of Sylvie and variants in general. So the version of Loki that we have as the protagonist of this TV show is a variant from the main timeline, Loki. And that means that he followed that timeline up until the point where he didn't, at which point the TVA arrest him, right? So how do we have variants that don't seem to share that same origin? As I mentioned before, Sylvie says that her parents died when she was very young. Conceivably, this could be where the timeline diverges. So this is a nexus point, and Sylvie becomes a variant at the point where Odin and Frigga die. Which would really just be a choice on the part of the TVA to arrest this child for having dead parents. And then we have the apparent gender difference. And I don't want to get into this one too much just because I don't want to criticize it before I have to. But I'll just say that I hope this gets explained in a way that is good and not actively bad. So I'll just talk briefly about the fact that Sylvie doesn't seem to be royalty. At least she says to Loki, you're a prince, implying that she wasn't a princess or a prince or whatever. And what I want to know here is, at what point would the timeline have to diverge in order for that to be the case? I'm thinking probably before Odin nabs Loki from Jotunheim, but that remains to be seen. Of course, it's also possible that she's just not a Loki variant. She does seem to suggest that she is, And, of course, she's wearing those iconic horns. But it would almost make more sense if she wasn't. I really don't have many alternative theories as to what she might be. Based on the fact that her name is Sylvie, I would connect her to the comic book character Sylvie Lushton, who was, of course, created by Loki. I feel like that would go some way to explain why the TVA register her as a Loki variant, even if she isn't. And if all of this is the case, then, of course, the big bad would probably be another Loki variant. Which would be really fun to see, kind of in the vein of King Loki in Loki Agent of Asgard. And, of course, I will add that all of this is completely hypothetical. I really like that this episode kind of left us on a cliffhanger. And not even just a bunch of unanswered questions. I really want to know if and how Loki and Sylvie survive. Presumably they will, and I presume it will involve the TVA. But I guess we'll just have to wait another four days to find out. As always, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you have any of your own thoughts or opinions or questions or arguments, feel free to get in contact. You can find me at Loki Podcast on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. Or you can email me at thelokipodcast at gmail.com. See you next time.